0: One big question since October 7th is, is how, how did Hamas carry out such a successful, sophisticated, if you can call it that, terrorist attack while keeping it all so secret? And today we're learning that old school technology may have played a major role. CNN's uh, chief investigative correspondent, Pamela Brown joins us now from the U.S. Pamela, what does the intelligence show
1: Well, Jake, sources are telling me and my colleague, Zach Cohen, that a small group of Hamas operatives used hardwired phones in the tunnels beneath Gaza to communicate over a period of two years. That's according to intelligence shared with U.S. officials. Now, those old-fashioned landlines allowed Hamas leaders to communicate underground with one another in secret. They avoided using computers or cell phones in order to keep from being tracked by Israeli or U.S. intelligence, according to these sources. And frankly, it worked, Jake. Instead, they held meetings in person among a small group and they stayed off all digital communications. So this partially explains why Israel and the U.S. were caught so off guard by the attack and how 1,000 Hamas fighters were able to pour across the border without being stopped, shown here in this propaganda video released by Hamas. Now, all of this communication happened in the miles of underground tunnel system beneath Gaza that the IDF nicknamed the Gaza Metro. You heard the uh, the hostage there in the story. You just played Jake talking about the spider web of tunnels. That's where apparently th- th- these uh, phone lines were hardwired underground. Another way Hamas was able to keep this under the radar is that they kept the planning of the October 7th attack a secret, even from other members. Only a very small group knew about this mission until just before it was carried out. Hamas ground unit commanders and fighters were in training for many months and they were kept in a state of general preparedness, I'm told, but only found out about the specific plans just a few days before the terrorist attack. And one of the sources said some of their training above ground was observed by Israeli officials, but did not ring major alarm bells. The thinking was, I'm told, was, oh, Hamas always trains people like this. It didn't look different. But, of course, we know now, Jake, it was.
0: And Pamela, Israel actually found these hardwired phones in Hamas strongholds fo- in, the, in the past,
1: though, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Israeli military found a similar kind of communication system when they raided a city in the northern West Bank over the summer, according to an Israeli official. They called this a joint operational command center, and it had hardwired communication lines and closed-circuit surveillance cameras to give advance warning of Israeli troop movements. So clearly, this is something that has been in their playbook Hamas uh, has had their playbook, and they used it to execute this operation, as you pointed out, successfully, Jake.
0: All right, Pamela Brown, thank you so much. I want to bring in Mark Regev with me here in Tel Aviv. He is the senior advisor to Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, also a former Israeli ambassador to the United Kingdom. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. If Shin Bet, the Israeli Security Service, if it knows so much about Hamas, uh, why wouldn't they know about these tactics? How could Shin Bet and the IDF not have seen October 7th coming in any way. So it's
2: clear there was an intelligence failure, Jake. It's clear we were taken by surprise and we've paid a, a terrible price for that. Uh, what is it, 1,400 people killed and more taken uh, uh, hostage. I think we, when this is over, yeah, now we're focused on winning this and we will win this, but when this is over, there'll have to be an investigation, thorough investigation, lessons learned. Why was there an intelligence failure? Why was it so easy for them to cross over the fence which was supposed to protect us uh, with all the high-tech and so forth? And why did it take the IDF so long to to force them uh, uh, back to the other side and kill the the people who'd come over to our side? Uh, There are all sorts of issues that need to be investigated. In the past when we've had security mishaps like this, and this is more than a mishap, this is a major problem. Uh, We've had investigations, we've had committees of inquiry, we've had parliamentary inquiries. I'm sure when this is over, when we've won this, we'll have those sort of investigations. Ultimately, we're gonna continue to live here. We live in a tough neighborhood, and we have to make sure we're at the top of our game, and it's clear we weren't.
0: But you heard uh, the freed hostage, uh, Yochi Lifshitz, 85 years old this morning, saying this wasn't just an intelligence failure. There had been warnings in the weeks before. Hamas doing things, the the fence not strong, people calling uh, the security forces, warning them, and these complaints, these warnings by the kibbutzim around there, ignored.
2: So it's clear she's speaking for many Israelis. I mean, we, we pride ourselves on having very good intelligence services. Uh, the Mossad has an international reputation. Uh, the shin bed is the same. And yet here, it's obviously we weren't up to power. And I think Israelis expect more. And there will be investigations
0: and there will be lessons learned. Why do you think Hamas has been releasing hostages? That's four hostages released. Obviously, two of them are American. I'm not sure about the nationalities of these recent two. Are they Israeli? Yes. They're both just purely Israeli. That's what I understand. Okay, Why are they releasing hostages?
2: Because they're under immense pressure. And their allies are under immense pressure. Um, Look, Hamas wants a ceasefire. They hit us. They hit us hard. And now they want a ceasefire to protect them so we don't destroy their military machine, but they're not gonna get one. We're gonna continue keeping up the pressure. We're gonna continue to target them. And with the international diplomatic pressure on their allies, we think we can get more people out.
0: Do you think there are gonna be more hostages released in the next week, two weeks?
2: I I, I can't speak for Hamas, obviously, but we'll keep the pressure up in the past. Over the last week, pressure has got people out. Keep the pressure up, increase that pressure, make Hamas feel the heat, make their allies feel the heat. You'll get more people out.
0: So last night you told uh, CNN's Caitlin Collins uh, that Israel's not going to authorize fuel to enter Gaza because it will just fall into Hamas's hands, even if it's meant for the hospitals, Correct. meant for humanitarian reasons, Hamas will take it. They control Gaza. Correct. Um, only uh, th- then this morning, the IDF chief of staff uh, said it will. Uh, it will enter fuel, will enter Gaza, but only for civilians. Then just minutes ago, an IDF spokesperson said no fuel. Full stop because it will end up in the hands of Hamas. That's three different positions in less than 12 hours, I think. Uh, why? What's going on? And what is, is there, are you going to end on one of these positions at some point?
2: So the government decision uh, that has been taken by our security cabinet is that we're in favor of humanitarian aid, which is water, food, and medicine. Right. The trouble with fuel, and I know that they say they need it for the generators in the hospitals, and that's a genuine need. Is that the same fuel is taken, stolen by Hamas, and as you've said correctly, they control Gaza, they're the only people there with guns, they can take what they want. They take that off for their military machine. And they use that for, uh, for rockets. For rockets and for their underground network of tunnels. And, right, for the
0: oxygen in the tunnels. Correct.
2: Right. And, and we obviously want to deny them that. But I want you to know we, we, we put out a statement earlier today, the IDF, there is actually a huge amount of fuel inside Gaza today which Hamas has. Now, if you could tell me, give me assurances, guarantees, that fuel going into Gaza would only go for civilian purposes, that's fine. But I don't think anyone can give me that guarantee. And we saw last week, CNN reported, I remember, uh, there were six truckloads, six tankers went in with fuel. And we know for a fact that Hamas hijacked and stole uh, part of that fuel. And so we're dealing with a formidable enemy. There is, should be no shortage whatsoever for the hospitals in
0: Gaza, but Hamas is stealing that fuel from the people of Gaza. Can you clear something up for me? Because I really can't get a straight answer on this. There are about five or 600 Americans stuck in Gaza. They've, a lot of them are at the Rafah crossing. Correct. Um, these are Americans. They have American passports. Some of them are Palestinian American. But, but, you know, they have homes in Massachusetts, they have homes in New Jersey, they've been calling the U.S. State Department. Why can't they get out?
2: So I can give you a clear answer. Hamas won't let them out. In many ways, I think Hamas is also keep, keeping them hostage. I remember Secretary Blinken raised that issue, what was it, over a week ago before the president was here, before your Secretary of Defense, it was one of the issues that came up with us. And we said, from our point of view, we'll do everything we can to facilitate their immediate release.
0: But only out of Rafa Crossing, because all of your crossings are closed.
2: And they've been destroyed. They're right. functioning. That's a war zone. Right. right. Okay. We've had very serious firefights there.
0: I understand. I'm just saying. But we're,
2: we're happy and eager to facilitate their receipt, their exit. Uh, that's our promise to the Americans. We're serious about that. But Hamas has decided to
0: play games with these Americans. But soldiers. it's not al-Sisi. It's not Egypt. It's Hamas. Yes. Definitely. All right. Uh, former Ambassador Mark Regev, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it.